0: in the Northwest, guaranteed fresh. It's The Morning Blend with David and Brenda, a dynamic duo who share the joy of the Catholic faith through catechesis and conversation on the bridge between your faith and everyday life. Mater Radio.
1: And a very good Tuesday morning to you, March 14th, 7 a.m. Patrick and Brenda with you on The Morning Blend. Thank you so much for tuning in the second full week of March and the third day of Daylight Savings Time. Patrick, how you doing this morning? A
2: little easier today, but I feel waterlogged. Did you get a chance to dry out at all
1: yesterday? That was quite a downpour. There are big
2: puddles in my yard. You know, it looks like little mini lakes all over the backyard. It's kind of kind of funny. Yeah, I, I mean, we set a record yesterday for rainfall, and it just seemed to keep coming and coming and coming. And then by, by mid-afternoon, it stopped. I even saw some sunshine before it went down last night, so...
1: So we got, I think the official uh, record at the airport said we, uh, we were at 1.17 inches in the last 24 hours. So we wow. were behind a little bit as far as the rain year was concerned. Uh, we're pretty much at average level. We're like three tenths of an inch below normal, but we're well over for March already. So, it's hard
2: to believe we're under with that snow we got earlier. I, I mean, we got a huge snow, right? Gotta Nine inches? You, so, that was yeah. that
1: was quite a week. So, yeah, I would say, though, looking ahead, it might kind of ease up. I would not put those plans for an arc build away too <laughs> soon. We might still need those. But you know what today is, uh, Patrick? It's kind of exciting.
2: What is today? Uh,
1: and, and, in fact, I think David would be very sad that he is not on the Morning Blend On National Potato Chip Day.
2: Ooh, and we had the potato chip hack yesterday. The one? The hack where you you know with the with the making the potato chip bowl.
1: Oh, that's right. Yeah. You just roll that in. Now I've seen that Texans have a unique way of eating like chili in uh like a Frito's chip bag. Oh, sure. Frito pie. Frito pie. Right. Now explain that this is fantastic so
2: you take a a one of a small bag of fritos right and you just take scissors clip the top of it
1: on the side or on the top
2: yeah on the side on, on the, the side s- right okay. and, and then you pour the chili in it and a little cheddar cheese there you go there's your frito pie a
1: frito pie <laughs> and eat I it right burn- out of the bag <laughs> right out of the bag i think that's <laughs> i I, would,
2: I mean that that is the food of my youth right okay. there i was raised on that
1: so obviously though i know people will probably be saying right now but brenda fritos are not potato chips and that's technically true true. those are not corn chips corn those are corn chips uh i know in the years that i've worked with david though he has no will when it comes to kettle chips
0: oh they're so good
1: right yes uh but i don't think he likes the fancy ones with like salt and vinegar or anything like that do you get a little outside the box when it comes to your potato chips flavors
2: barbecue sour do cream you? yeah i love yeah, sour see yeah. those
1: are my two favorites also but you just seem to not you can't be just a regular old lays potato chip this is
2: true yeah but you know lays has these crazy flavors like biscuits and gravy what? flavor yes no, yes yeah they that. have the, yeah and then the lime and all that now no, no I'm, I'm more traditionalist like plain barbecue sour cream that's kind of the trinity there.
1: Okay. Uh, Scott has a, a, a strange habit. I don't know if it's a Southern thing or if it's a Scott thing, because he grew up in Georgia when he was in his elementary school years. He'll put potato chips inside of a PB&J.
2: Oh, I, yeah, yeah.
1: That little bit of a crunch. Uh-huh, yeah. I went, well. Wow. Okay, I if remember you doing must. that as
2: a kid, not not so much as an adult. As an adult
1: <laughs> I will have a potato chip for the most part. Anyway, a potato chip comes, I'll uh, I'll enjoy it. So let's celebrate. Let's have a little bit of potato chips. Well, hey, let's get this show started. Patrick, what do you have coming up today?
2: Oh, we have all kinds of, of in- interesting news. A new president at the University of Oregon. We'll be talking about that. And a sad passing, an Oregon legend passes. We'll be uh, Two, actually, we'll be talking uh, more about those. And uh, the Blazers back in town for a big homestand, so a lot going on with that, and we're inching our way ever closer to Friday and St. Patrick's Day. Oh, Woo! that's
1: right. I'm getting excited for that, and of course, there's lots going on, so stay with us, because the community calendar is full of all kinds of things you can do. So we got a great show ahead for you this Tuesday morning. We're going to start things now with Lenten music, and Audrey Assad, even unto death. And you are listening to The Morning Blend right here at Mater Dei Radio, the bridge between your faith and everyday life.
3: Jesus, the very thought of you, it fills my heart with love, Jesus, you
2: souls to Jesus through the Blessed Virgin Mary. This is Matri-Day Radio with music of the season for Lent. That's Audrey Assad, Even Unto Death. Well, Pat, in for David this morning. Glad to be with you and Brenda. And just ahead, Brenda checks in with a very interesting interview about St. Gemma Galgani. We'll hear her own words from her diary. That's next here on Matri-Day Radio.
4: Good morning. Please join me, Father Martin King, Pastor of St. Thomas More Catholic School and parish in this morning prayer. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. O God, enlighten my mind with truth, inflame my heart with love, inspire my will with courage, enrich my life with service, pardon what I have been, sanctify what I am. Order what I shall be, and thine shall be the glory, and mine eternal salvation, through Jesus Christ my Lord. Amen. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. God bless. For
5: more prayer resources, please visit our website at materdayradio.com or check the prayer section on the new Hail Mary Media app.
2: At Matri-Day Radio, everything we do is meant to illuminate the truth of Christ. From starting the day with David and Brenda on the morning blend to closing the night with the mysteries of the rosary, we're devoted to leading souls into the way, the truth, and the life of Jesus. Mark your calendar for April 17th through 21st as we seek the truth during matri Radio's 2023 Spring share a It's going to be a week of joyful celebration. And you can be a big part of it by helping us build a strong matching fund. Your support now will have a deep impact on Motrade Radio's success in April by providing a strong incentive for our Share-a-thon listeners to match your prayerful giving. To learn more and make your matching gift, go now to MotradeRadio.com or the Hail Mary Media app and seek the truth during our 2023 Spring share at Monterey Radio, the bridge between your faith and everyday life. 712 at Monterey Radio, and no rain records today. Actually, maybe a little sunshine. High headed up to 50 this afternoon, but don't worry, the rain's back tomorrow. 40% chance of rain with a high of 49
1: Currently, it is 37 degrees at Holy Redeemer Catholic Church in Vancouver.
2: And it's 37 at Marist High School, where they're getting ready for their big St. Patrick's Day celebration down in Eugene.
1: Well, her life was a mere 25 years, but her saintly legacy continues. So what does it take to be holy like St. Gemma Galgani? All you need to do is read about her life from her own words. In a remarkable diary, this young saint, which her spiritual director ordered her to write, you will have an enthralling glimpse into her numerous encounters with Jesus crucified, Our Lady, and with her guardian angel. Sophia Institute Press is offering her diary, and joining me this morning to share more is Kristen Van Uden from Sophia Institute Press. Good morning, Kristen. Thanks so much for joining the Morning Blend today. Good morning, Brenda. Thanks for having me back. Well, what an amazing opportunity to read about the lives of the saint from the saint herself. Kind of tell our listeners first a little bit about the life of St. Gemma. You know, she died in 1903, really not that long ago, when you think about the more than 2,000 years of the church.
6: Absolutely. St. Gemma Galgani is one of those contemporary saints who... Although we have photographs of her, which is always amazing to me to see exactly what they looked like, I had not really known much about until I read her diary. And so, as you said, she lived quite a short life. She died at the age of 25 and lived out most of her life in the same small town in northern Italy. She was a mystic saint. So, as you mentioned, she was graced with great visions throughout her life of Our Lord and Our Lady themselves. Also her guardian angel, as you mentioned, and St. Gabriel of Our Lady of Sorrows, who was at that time just a venerable and was a passionist monk from Italy as well. She also, of course, on the flip side, was had visions and attacks from demons. So similarly to Padre Pio, where demons would literally attack him, same thing happened to Gemma. And this is why she's considered the patroness against temptations, because she described that... <clears throat> All of these demons' attacks, even escalating to physical attacks, pinching her, pulling her hair, pushing her off the bed, she always said that the worst thing that they ever did to her was to tempt her to sin, because sin, obviously, is the only way that we can be separated from God. And she had this very acute understanding of sin because she saw how much it wounded Jesus. So that's something that really comes through in her diary, is how quickly she is to accuse herself of sin and flee from it at all costs. And this, I think, is a very much needed message to readers today, because we tend to have more of a blasé attitude towards sin and, you know, commit the sin of presumption even about about confession. And so St. Gemma really achieved that perfect contrition, which is constituted not just of a fear of hell or an intellectual understanding of sin, but also of a real sorrow for sin and how much they wound Jesus' heart. So... She felt the call to be a passionist nun. She had gone on several retreats at the local convent, had been educated there, but unfortunately her health was so poor that she was denied entry, so she had to live out this mystic vocation in the world. And another reason she's patron against temptations is because her family was quite hostile to her mysticism. So her younger sister, in particular, would often harass Gemma throughout the day so that she couldn't even pray. And so she had all of these challenges and distractions, which is another very relatable aspect of her life. Finally, the last three years of her life, she was given the gift of the stigmata. So she had a temporary stigmata. It would occur from Thursday evening to coincide with the beginning of the Passion at the Agony of the Garden all the way through Saturday morning. And it included the crown of thorns and, according to her letters, even gashes in her knees from where Christ had fallen on the road to Calvary. So at that point, um, she she was welcomed home into the arms of Jesus at age 25, and as she wrote, she believed that at the gates of heaven there would be the habit of a passionist nun waiting for her.
1: Oh, the idea of knowing that people that you love and the people that guide you await for you at, in heaven—what a what a consolation for Saint Gemma that must be, Kristen. Tell me a little bit yeah. now. In the introduction, it says that she was ordered to write this down? Was she hesitant to share the story of the experiences she had, especially with the encounters with Christ and Our Lady, even her guardian angel?
6: She was a bit hesitant, and this is something that we see in a lot of the lives of the saints, especially St. Therese is another good contemporary example, is that they think that their own words are unimportant, (laughs) because they have this this solid humility. So she wasn't embarrassed so much to write it, but she just felt that, oh, why is this important? But luckily, her spiritual director knew that it was important and that reading her in her own words would have great effects on souls. And so there's actually an interesting story as to what happened to this manuscript. So Gemma wrote the first half of it as an autobiography to kind of bring everyone up to speed um, because she started writing at age 21. And then the second half of the book is more or less weekly diary entries from that point forward. And when the manuscript was completed, Gemma kept it in her drawer in her bedroom. And one day, a demon appeared to her, as happened usually to her. And he declared that he was going to steal this manuscript to prevent souls from gaining any graces from it. And he actually physically took the manuscript, and it was gone. And so Gemma told her spiritual director about this. He performed an exorcism over the book, even though it wasn't physically there. And right after he did that, it was returned to the drawer, completely singed through. So each page was burnt as if it had been individually held over a fire, but it was still legible. Every single word could still be read. And that's why we have it
1: today. Oh. Well, a miracle indeed. It is the uh, Diary of St. Gemma Galgani. It is available through Sophia Institute Press. Kristen Van Uden is joining me this morning from Sophia to tell us a little bit more about this wonderful saint. Kristen, we've all heard this. We've even tell our children this when they have a suffering or a pain. Well, just offer it up. But you don't exactly Mm -hmm. always know what that means. Offer what up to who? Well, in this book, St. Gemma actually talks about how your prayers and those sufferings are meant for the souls in purgatory. What did she have to say about that?
6: St. Gemma is really a perfect example of the axiom to offer it up because she is considered a victim soul. So this is a person who spent their entire life suffering and then offering that suffering to Jesus to use to either convert sinners, aid the souls in purgatory to shorten their time there. And then it also, of course, purifies the person who is suffering. But she understood that all suffering, no matter how small on this earth, could have an effect to be united to the Passion to save souls. And she embraced this opportunity so that in her writing, what comes through is really a love of suffering, which seems very, you know, much of a contradiction. But when we see through the eyes of the saints just how much of an effect our suffering can have when we unite it with Jesus, then will we'll come to this understanding as well. She had one particular soul that she prayed for in purgatory, who was a certain Mother Maria Teresa of the local Passionist convent that Gemma was so connected to. And she had died several years. Um, I'm not sure if she was ever alive at the same time as Gemma, but Jesus gave Gemma the duty to pray for this this particular sister and mother. And so she would offer up her sufferings, and Gemma, even before she received the stigmata, had a lot, as we've said, of health issues. So she was going through immense physical suffering as well as the humiliation emotionally that she endured from her family. And so when Mother Maria Teresa ascended from purgatory to heaven, she came to appear to Gemma to thank her, all clothed in white, for her great service to her um, at the moment that she went to heaven. So Gemma got to see firsthand the effects of her suffering and confirming, of course, she knew this was happening because God told her, but to see this confirmation of all of her uh, effects of offering it up was really quite a beautiful moment for her.
1: Well, firsthand stories are what you're going to be able to read about when you... Purchase the Diary of St. Gemma Galgani. It is available through Sophia Institute Press. Kristen, how are people going to be able to order and get a copy for themselves? So the best place is directly at our website, sophiainstitute.com. Well, fantastic. It's an amazing account, again, written by the saint herself and really a wonderful read for every young person and every adult. So Kristen, thank you so much for your time today. We really appreciate it. My pleasure. Take care. And again, it is the Diary of St. Gemma Galgani that we've been talking about. It is out by Sophia Institute Press, and I will be sure to add the link that Kristen was just talking about. You're going to find that link on the podcast of this interview, materdayradio.com and the Hail Mary media app.
2: 722 at Day Radio, Pat and Brenda with you on this morning blend and we are just at a month away from our 2023 Spring share as we seek the truth here at Day Radio. We got the gifts all ordered, we're getting ready, getting all the guests lined up, the volunteers. We need you. We are building a strong matching fund. And what this is, it provides an incentive for listeners to call in during the broadcast event. We need your help to build that up. So if you got our letter, check that out. All the details are there. If you didn't get the letter, you can go on to the Hail Mary Media app or MatriDayRadio.com as we seek the truth with our 2023 Spring share here at Matraday Radio.
7: St. Benedict warns us to keep death daily before our eyes.
1: One Minute Monk, Abbot Placid Solari of Belmont Abbey.
7: At first hearing, this can sound really depressing. A grim recipe for a sad life. But let's think about that again. Do you know anyone who's not going to die? St. Benedict is simply reminding us that death is just a part of life. It is the last opportunity we will have to accept God's will for us. And he wants us to be ready for it. Keeping death daily before our eyes puts all the other parts of life in the right perspective and helps us give them their proper value. For your
1: free copy of The Rule of St. Benedict, visit OneMinuteMonk.com, O-N-E-MinuteMonk.com.
7: For St. Benedict, death is something good to keep in mind as the final fulfillment in our life of that love of God which cast out fear. Now that's not such a sad way to live, is it? Healthcare
5: sharing has been around for decades and began out of the Christian tradition of neighbor helping neighbor. That's the premise Solidarity HealthShare was built on. We're a non-profit medical cost sharing ministry in which our family of members share in each other's eligible medical expenses. Solidarity HealthShare is not insurance, but an alternative way to pay for medical costs that adheres to Catholic Church teachings. We never share into medical care that goes against our morals. More information at SolidarityHealthShare.org. Is God
2: calling you to do something different with your life? Join Mater Radio's team as our new grant writer. Shape the future of Catholic media through this dynamic part-time position, offering you competitive pay and an exciting opportunity for remote work with flexible hours to suit your schedule. Get more details on the grant writer position and how to apply at materdeiradio.com. That's materdeiradio.com to join us on the bridge between your faith and everyday life at Mater Radio.
0: The Morning Blend, two hours a day for two times the fun. Two times the fun. On Mater Day Radio, the station dedicated to the Blessed Virgin Mary.
2: 725 at Mater Day Radio, the bridge between your faith and everyday life, and there is a new duck on campus. Details on that just ahead.
1: And Pope Francis releases his podcast on his 10th anniversary as pontiff. He said it was years lived intention. I'll have that story for you, plus more coming up in the news just about three minutes. Here is Unspoken with You've Always Been. We are the Morning Blend right here at Mater Day Radio, leading souls to Jesus through the Blessed Virgin Mary.
8: I've had good days, I've had bad days, tasted victory and defeat. I've had problems, biggest planets, turn to pebbles when you speak. I've had nothing to my name, never lacked for anything. Cause you were there with me. You've been my savior, Keep calm.
4: The bridge
2: between your faith and everyday life, Matra Radio, unspoken, and you've always been. It's
1: 7.30. And in your news, Pope Francis marked his 10th anniversary as Pope on Monday with a private mass, with cardinals in appearance on what Vatican News has dubbed a Pope-cast. Now, the nine-minute podcast, released only in Italian, was published on Vatican News website and on Spotify. In it, he says, seems like yesterday, Pope Francis said, referring to his election to the papacy on March 13th, 2013. Now, these past 10 years were lived in this tension, he added. Now Pope Francis' schedule was free of public meetings on March thirteenth, except for a mass at eight a.m. in the chapel inside his Vatican residence. Now, the private mass at the Santa Marta Guesthouse was concelebrated with the cardinals. The Vatican did not release any other details, including information about the pope's homily, but in the pope cast, Pope Francis said the most beautiful moment of his pontificate was with elderly in Saint Peter's Square. In 2014, he's had a real love of uh, older people in our lives and, and really always brings forward their value us all the time
2: i love that and watch out father mike because here comes the pope cast right that's right <laughs> he's going to knock him off from the number one position watch out the university of oregon has announced that john carl schultz will take over as the university's president this coming summer schultz an economist professor and current provost at the university of wisconsin madison will be the university's 19th president Come July 1st, Schultz will take the position over from Patrick Phillips, who has served as interim president since August. Phillips was appointed to the position just days after former U of O president Michael Schill revealed he was leaving the Ducks and headed to Northwestern University in Illinois.
1: Well, sustained heavy rains is causing sewage and stormwater to spill. To the Willamette River, the Portland Bureau of Environmental Services reported Monday. The public is advised to avoid contact with the river during the spill for 48 hours afterwards. Now, these spill events, referred to by BES as combined sewer overflow incidents, occur when Portland's big pipe system reaches 100% capacity, causing the excess water to automatically dump into the river. Now, the system hits capacity about one fifty five on Monday, officials said. The Portland and Salem region was forecasted to receive about an inch of rainfall on Monday, with steady rain continuing for most of the morning. Now, that overflow water, though, tends to be about 80% storm, storm water, about 20% sewage, according to the Bureau. The overflow occurs regularly, but infrequently, about three or four times per year.
2: Police are searching for a man who burglarized and vandalized Our Lady of Lords Catholic Church in Gales Ferry, Connecticut early Saturday. The Ledyard Police Department reported that the man broke into the church, smashing windows and attempting to break into rooms using a crowbar. The police reported that the man further vandalized the church by painting hateful messages on the floor of the church meeting hall with black paint and more hateful speech on a wall that displayed a large crucifix. The police described the suspect as a male in his mid-to-late 20s with dark thinning hair and a distinctive beard with no mustache. The police said the man appeared to be wearing jeans, dark work boots, and dark-colored winter jackets and carrying a light-colored military-style backpack. The department notified the FBI Civil Rights Unit, the Connecticut State Police Hate Crimes Unit, and the new London Judicial District Attorney's Office, all of which were assisting the police with the investigation.
1: Well, the Clark County Superior Court jury acquitted Jacob Cantrell of attempted murder and assault charges Monday after finding he acted in self-defense in a June 2022 shooting in East Vancouver. Now, the jury returned at about 1 p.m. with the not guilty verdict for second degree attempted murder, first degree assault, along with a lesser alternative charge for second degree assault. The case went to the jury at about three o'clock on Friday after four days of trial testimony. Jurors deliberated for about two hours Friday before breaking for the weekend. They returned Monday morning to resume deliberations. Now, because the jury found he acted in self-defense, Cantrell, who's 33 years old, of Vancouver, will be reimbursed for his legal fees and lost wages for the nine months he's been in custody since the incident, according to his defense attorney, Josephine Townsend.
2: Well, some sad news from the world of sports, a Oregon State University legend and Olympic gold medalist Nick Fosbury has passed, most famous for creating what's called the Fosbury Flop. He died on Saturday. He was 76 years old. Ray Schulte, Fosbury's agent, reported that Fosbury, who was born March 6th of 1947 in Portland, died after a short bout with a recurrence of lymphoma. Fosbury gained fame after winning the gold in the 1968 Summer Olympics in Mexico City using his back-first technique, the Fosbury Flop, which later became. Uh, method adopted by most high jumpers, including me, back in seventh grade, what? trying to imitate the Fosbury flop. And I kept hitting the bar over and over and over. And over. I, don't, I don't know if I ever cleared it. What was it. your record? I, no, like three, three feet.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I think I was listening this morning on the drive-in. There was an older uh, interview that they had on KXL of him. He said the day that he developed, and they were doing that scissor kick jump style before that he said when he was working on this in the first day that he tried this new method he gained six inches wow on his jump just in the first day i mean it
2: revolutionized the sport
1: now of course i'm amazed at how high these jumpers go using that same method well patrick you just talked about father mike schmidt right yeah well he's been talking about lent recently now we know the four pillars of lent are prayer abstinence fasting and almsgiving right right so why is giving alms though a part of lent well jessica mcgaffey from epic pew says the wildly popular father mike well he doesn't have a reason why we do it in fact in a recent video He has four reasons. Oh, okay. I I was about to
2: say, I listened to Father Mike this morning and (laughs) he talked about this. so. (laughs) So, what are Father
1: Mike's reasons? He says it's not happiness, even though he starts out by talking about the phenomenon of how we spend on ourselves. We just continue to want more. But when we spend on others, oddly enough, gives happiness to the spender, the person giving it. So, if not happiness, what are the reasons we should be the best? most thoughtful givers we can possibly be. Well, here's what Father Mike had to say. He said, first, out of obedience, because Jesus asks us to do that. And secondly, because of human dignity, other people matter. Thirdly, he said we should give out of gratitude and not guilt. There's not a thing, Patrick, that we have in this world that isn't a gift from God. And we should be grateful for that. And then lastly, He said, because of Jesus' example, we are all called to be like Jesus. So just some four ideas to think about next time we give during this Lenten season and enjoy giving not just out of our surplus, but in the big ways we have to give and to serve.
2: First fruits, first fruits, that's what it's all about. But have you ever not felt great when you gave something away? I mean, I always feel just euphoric.
1: And then what's funny is seeing, then in my own mind, I go, well, I want them to feel good, but I feel good. Uh, Yeah. But I think that's the blessing that comes out of taking (laughs) care of your neighbor.
2: It sure is.
0: It's time to find out what's going on in our Catholic community.
1: Well, a wonderful opportunity this evening at 7 o'clock. It is the Parent Information Night for the Chesterton Academy of Blessed Pierre Giorgio Frassati. Families with middle and high school students are encouraged to come and learn more about Chesterton Academy's classical curriculum right here at Holy Rosary Church in Portland. You can meet the dedicated faculty, visit with current families. Now, Chesterton Academy is a private classical high school In Catholic tradition, has a rigorous, integrated curriculum that unlocks student potential. You can find more details about this evening, and to register, go to our community calendar. It's under the Get Involved menu at materdayradio.com, and of course, the Hail Mary media app.
2: And just ahead, we have The Scoop on Catholic Charities. David uh, recorded a great interview with Ed Longwall. We'll get into that after we check your dry weather forecast next.
5: Please join me, Father Gabriel Mosier, in this prayer to St. Michael the Archangel. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. St. Michael the Archangel, defend us in battle. Be our safeguard against the wickedness and snares of the devil. May God rebuke him, we humbly pray, and do thou, O Prince of the heavenly host, by the power of God, thrust into hell Satan, and all the evil spirits who wander through the world for the ruin of souls, amen. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. For more prayer resources, or to let us know how we can pray for your intentions, please visit us online at materdayradio.com or check the prayer section of the Hail Mary media app. And thank you for praying with Mater Dei Radio, leading souls to Jesus through the Blessed Virgin Mary.
1: Support for Day Radio comes from our leadership circle members, including Holy Family Supply, Salem's Catholic Bookstore. Located at 421 Court Street Northeast in downtown Salem, Holy Family Supply has a wide variety of Catholic gifts for all occasions, including Bibles, rosaries, statues, and holy cards. Holy Family Supply current hours and days of operation are available by phone at 503-588-1071.
9: This is Archbishop Alexander Sample of the Archdiocese of Portland in Oregon, inviting you to join me for The Voice of the Shepherd. I always look forward to our time together to discuss issues that matter most to our families and to the Church.
1: Catch The Voice of the Shepherd with Portland Archbishop Alexander Sample and me, Dina Marie, your host, each Tuesday night at 7.30, Saturday afternoon at 3.30, and Sunday morning at 7.30 on Mater Dei Radio, leading souls to Jesus through the Blessed Virgin Mary. And it is 742 here at Mater Day Radio. Well, that weather system passed through. Things much calmer this morning. Now, we did get over an inch of rain in the last 24 hours. So we're starting off today with a cool start, making way for a mild and much drier afternoon. Today's high is getting right around to that 50-degree mark. Then overnight, we're cooling off again to the mid-30s. Now, Wednesday looks a lot like today, but add in well, a few more sun breaks. And it's going to be a great day.
2: Right now it's 31 chilly degrees at Immaculate Conception Parish in Staten.
1: And it is 36 degrees right here at the Madeline in Portland.
10: Well, it is always so inspirational to see the many diverse ways Catholic Charities of Oregon impacts the lives of people throughout our community. To provide us with some recent examples of these inspirational stories is the Communications Director of Catholic Charities of Oregon. It's our good friend, Ed Longwa. Good morning, Ed.
11: Good morning, David. Good morning, everyone.
10: Well, great to talk with you today. And you know, we were talking earlier in the show and and see about this one for you, (laughs) Today is Unplug Day, National Unplug Day. It would be hard to do your job as a news person, communications person anymore if you had to unplug for 24 hours, wouldn't it?
11: You know, I do have notebooks and pencils around. It would kind of be (laughs) refreshing to go back to what I did in the
10: in the 80s and 90s. Yeah, it's amazing how things have changed over the course of time, but things now, you can get news out a lot quicker, you can get information out to folks, particularly now for you, about all of the wonderful programs at Catholic Charities of Oregon, and you were so nice to send me some story ideas of things that you've been working on and things that have been happening with Catholic Charities, and as I mentioned in the opening, there are so many things that Catholic Charities of Oregon is involved with. I mean, when you came on board there, you probably had a little learning to do.
11: You know, David, I, I've been writing about Catholic Charities for thirty years as a reporter, so I knew a little bit. But you're right. When I got there, I was amazed. I, I you know, I'm starting to see how the sausage is made. Yeah. And I like the place even more.
3: Yeah. It, there's
11: so so many people doing beautiful things. Frontline people working with. People who are homeless, immigrants, refugees—yeah, it's yeah. pretty amazing.
10: No, it really is, and I mean, there's there's obviously, things going on every day. You happen to just send me uh, a few of these things that have been going on, and uh, it started—actually, this happened already, but I found it fascinating just what it was working on, and this was a webinar, and again, Catholic Charities of Oregon doing webinars, reaching out via the computers, if you will, uh, devices, not just hands-on, but ways that people can connect, and this had to do with a, a catechist, Mike Carlotta and Scott Hurd of Catholic Charities USA about informing parishes about trauma information I found very interesting.
11: You know, David, we've really been trying to reach out to parishes to uh, help them kind of syncopate with the Catholic Charities mission, and there's this idea out there of realizing—when you look at someone, say, who's homeless or addicted, instead of saying What's wrong with them? The question really is, well, what happened? Yeah, what happened to me? So they've gone through some kind of trauma, and it's good for us to all be aware of that. And Catholic Charities has begun doing that. Interestingly, the the building design, the transitional housing building right next to Catholic Charities headquarters, was designed with trauma in mind. Mm. They uh, there were studies that exposed wood. We're in the right place for exposed wood here in the northwest. Right is a good thing in a in a building for people who have gone through trauma. So you'll notice the ceilings in the child's house, uh, transitional housing units are wood. There's lots of wood paneling. There's lots of uh, open space and light. It's not a long, dark hallway. There's open, you, you go outside to, uh, to get from place to place under covered walkways so that there's fresh air. Right. And uh, then there's also, of course, privacy if you need that, mm. but then community rooms when you're ready for that. So all these things about being trauma informed are, are, are just fascinating. Parishes can, can do a lot of this when they're talking about their outreach.
10: Right. And it must be when you talk about the natural wood, it's probably that gives that connection to nature, which is a little bit more calming. That would be my assumption.
11: I think you're absolutely right. There there are studies that go for a walk in the woods does it does something to our brains. Right. Uh, this is this is the way God has created us to respond to to divine creation, and it's healing for us. Uh, What a
10: wonderful setup. Yeah, it's wonderful. We're speaking with Ed Longlaw. He is the Communications Director for Catholic Charities of Oregon, and another story you sent me, Ed, and I think a lot of people have heard of the Kenton Women's Village in North Portland, and this story, I love this, The Lunch Ladies from Holy Redeemer Parish. Tell us about this story.
11: Sure, we titled this lunch among ladies yeah. the Holy Redeemer Parish, which you which you mentioned just before this uh, our interview began. I'm just glad to hear that. Um, there's a group of women who bring lunch to a place called Clinton Women's Village. This is a, a pod of tiny houses off Columbia Boulevard in in North Portland. You can hear big trucks going by. Uh, it's it's an industrial area, but here. Catholic Charities and its staff, its manager Sherry Hadley there, have created a little community of uh, women who formerly didn't have homes, living in tiny houses, uh, and there are, again, communal areas where they can have lunch and cook. But once a month, the ladies of Holy Redeemer bring a lunch. They drive their cars over and carry tubs of lasagna or uh, tacos or something, and they, they set this lunch out, and they sit down and they have it with the with the residents of Kenton Women's Village, and it becomes this encounter uh, among neighbors because Holy Redeemer is just maybe a little over a mile away from Kenton Women's Village, and one of the residents told me what she likes most is the intergenerational mixing that makes happen right. because the the residents of the village tend to be on the younger side and. The, well, uh, the Holy Redeemer ladies will probably admit that they're a little bit on the older side that's mm-hmm. that's where that goes so there's this beautiful engagement among it's a motherly thing or a grandmotherly thing uh, that I observed and and they talk about life and they they talk about technology and the young the young people help the older people understand computers mm-hmm. and they talk about children and it was a very touching thing. I was very glad to be a fly on the wall that day with my video camera.
10: Uh, what what a beautiful story! And, and again, this is these are things that happen with with not a lot of fanfare, but it's just the humble service that these women from Holy Redeemer are providing.
11: And and they realize this: this human encounter is so important. It is. Yeah, you're right. It's not a big thing. It's lunch. Yeah, <laughs> but in a way, then it does become a big thing, and it, the steadiness of it is is so great. During the pandemic, it uh, couldn't happen for a while, but now
10: it's back. yeah, it's what a what a great story, beautiful story. Then another one, too, that you informed me about, and this involved some uh, law students at Lewis and Clark College and the work that they're doing for Catholic charities.
11: That's right. I don't know if many people realize that Catholic Charities does uh, take in law school interns uh, from Lewis and Clark. also there we've had a few from Willamette University, University of Oregon. And they fine-tune their skills in helping immigrants uh, kind of uh, achieve legal status. We want to do things right for these folks and help them get get residency in the United States legally, but there's just too many for the Catholic Charities attorneys to handle. So the law students have been a huge help, and at the same time they learn real-life situations uh, of people and, and how the law applies to them. You know, these students have to study what's going on in the origin country, be it Colombia or Guatemala, because they need to understand the threats and the dangers in that home country in order to make uh, a case here in the United States for legal residency. Right. So that's a lot of what the law students do. Uh, they also study case law, you know, examples from the past that might help. Uh, these residents gain legal
10: status. Yeah, you know, I I love these stories and hearing about that as well, because I think a lot of folks out there, they hear of Catholic Charities of Oregon and certainly are aware of it, but maybe do not know some of these stories that are occurring and what Catholic Charities of Oregon is doing to help these folks. It's great!
11: Yeah, and the parish is uh, really—we're going to to try to reach out to parishes more and find ways to cooperate and tell the old parishes' story— Places like Holy Redeemer are just the tip of the iceberg. Lots of parishes are helping people on the margins like this, and we want to kind of tell everybody's story as much as we can. And gosh, David, you're, you've been a big help in that.
10: Yeah, fantastic. I appreciate it. It's always great to have you guys on. And I want to mention, too, just with one minute to go so folks can get this on their calendar, we're going to be talking about this in, in, in further, maybe in a couple of weeks now, with Natalie Wood, your Executive Director. Celebration of Hope, coming up April 21st a Friday. What a wonderful event. Going to be at the Portland Art Museum this year.
11: That's right. You can come to the Portland Art Museum, or there's the opportunity to participate online too, David. And there'll be stories there. We've interviewed a really amazing Ukrainian refugee who escaped the war and is being helped by Catholic charities. There'll be uh, You'll hear from Natalie Wood. We're going to honor, of course, Joe Weston, who's oh. one of the great Catholic philanthropists of Oregon, he doesn't uh, accept awards very often, and he's actually going to come. And so this is kind of a rare occasion
10: that's to have fantastic. Joe with
11: us, he has been so vital to so many causes. Uh,
10: no doubt about it. Wonderful. Again, that's Friday, April 21st, Portland Art Museum. You can find out more on this information, catholiccharitiesoregon.org. Ed Longwa, Communications Director, Catholic Charities of Oregon. Ed, great to talk with you. Have a wonderful weekend, and thanks for all the stories. Thanks for helping us tell them, David. All right. God bless.
1: And it is 753 here at Mater Day Radio. Well, Patrick, you know what I've been doing at the beginning that started the beginning of this year? Every day when I go home, I plug in my phone and then I pray the rosary with Archbishop Sample. It is so easy to do on the Hail Mary Media app. I love it.
2: Don't you love setting those alarms? Oh, it's
1: absolutely wonderful. And you know, if you want to use that Hail Mary media app and pray with Archbishop Sample, it is so easy to do because all you need to do is download the free Hail Mary media app. Go to your favorite app store, type in Hail Mary media. You'll find that beautiful blue image of Our Lady and just download it. It's absolutely free. It's ad-free but it has the wealth of our Catholic faith. I mean, that's the best deal in town, I think. So, and it's
2: got great Lent resources, too.
1: And that's it for sure. All of our wonderful Lenten resources. So if you need to kickstart your Lenten journey, well, download the Hail Mary media app today.
4: Support for matri Radio comes from our Leadership Circle members, including Dr. Mark Bianco Family Dentist. The bridge between your faith and everyday life. This is Modern Day Radio.
0: KBVM Portland, Salem, Vancouver. KMME Cottage Grove, Eugene, Springfield. Translator K235BF, Eugene. And streaming at
10: ModernDayRadio.com.
1: Facing difficult problems in your marriage. Oregon Retrovi is a lifeline to married couples, helping them restore their marriage and rebuild a loving relationship. Catholic in origin, this Christian marriage program is open to all married couples, no matter what age, walk of life, faith, or ethnic background. Oregon Retrovi is a practical program to improve communication, build stronger marriages, and help couples reconnect. Presenters are not trained marriage counselors, but rather couples sharing their personal stories and the tools that they use to rediscover their love. Begin your journey to healing all it takes is a decision to find out more. Go to HelpOurMarriage.org and start the process today. That's HelpOurMarriage.org to learn more about this transformational program. Oregon Retrovi: a lifeline for married couples.
5: Monterey Radio's Leadership Circle connects through all-source communications. Is a technology upgrade in your company's future? All Source Communications is an independent local telecom brokerage specializing in internet and phone systems. Connect today at AllSourceCommunications.com. That's AllSourceCommunications.com or call 503 967 4887 for All Source Communications, connecting Monterey Radio's leadership circle.
10: What do the famous Batmobile, Love Bug, and Mystery Machine have in common? They were all given to Mater Dei Radio's vehicle donation program. Well, not really, but they could have been, and you could do the same. If you have a car, truck, van, RV, or boat that you no longer need, consider donating it to Mater Dei Radio. It's quick and easy, and a likely tax deduction for you. And you'll be supporting uplifting Catholic radio programs. Information on our website at MaterDeiRadio.com
0: The Morning Blend. It's a Cup of Joy with David and Brenda on Mater
2: Day Radio. 7.56 at Mater Day Radio and the Blanchet House is making room in Old Town. We'll tell you more about that just ahead.
1: And Catholic and labor leaders are voicing their concern about dangerous working conditions for minors. Very interesting story. I'll have that for you coming up right after Awaken the Saint.
12: Hey everyone, I'm Colleen with Awaken Catholic, and this is Awaken the Saint. Having a loving family is a great gift that's often taken for granted. Even if you're lucky enough to have family close by, you may not be lucky enough to get along with them. Saint Matilda of Ringelheim had a lot of trouble with her family. Matilda was born in 892 as the daughter of a count. From a very young age, she studied at a convent in Erfurt, and while her time there instilled great piety in her, she did not end up becoming a nun. With royal blood came royal obligations. And at 17, Matilda's parents arranged for her to be married to the heir of the Duke of Saxony, Henry the Fowler. That's Fowler with a W, by the way. Three years later, Henry inherited his father's position, beginning Matilda's life as a duchess. She gave birth to her first son, Otto, that very year, the first of five children. However, Matilda didn't get to spend a great deal of time with her husband. Henry was busy with his own affairs, and after he became the German king in the year 919, he was even busier. While her husband was out waging war, Matilda managed the grand household as queen. Under her supervision, the royal court developed an air of reverence and intelligence, quite different from the average royal family. While he couldn't always be around at home, Henry still doted on Matilda in his own way. He gave her a rich inheritance, including a number of towns, to ensure that she would want for nothing after his death. Matilda, however, was not satisfied with just accuring income from these estates. In the next few years, she used her wealth to fund the construction of monasteries, turning several of the towns she had received into religious communities and providing for the less fortunate. Henry the Fowler died in 936, and Matilda's sons, Otto and Henry, clashed over who should inherit kingship. Matilda favored Henry, but even after raising an army, he ultimately failed to stop his brother, and Otto became king. Matilda didn't want to see her sons fighting, and she managed to convince Otto to pardon his brother. But their family, having been divided by this conflict, began to fall apart. In time, Henry and Otto both began to resent their mother, blaming her for carelessly spending royal income on charity to the poor and needy. They demanded that she return what their father had given her as recompense. Unable to oppose her own sons, she gave up most of her inheritance and retired to Saxony. It took 10 whole years before Matilda was able to reconcile with her children, but eventually they both realized they had blamed her unjustly and asked her for her forgiveness. She was able to return to her previous life, spending her remaining days among the religious communities she had created, until she died in 968 in the convent in Quedlingburg and was buried beside her husband. Unlike Matilda's situation, our families aren't likely to be divided by actual war. But when we do end up fighting, sometimes it's best to do things the way she did and avoid escalating the conflict. She chose humility instead. No matter how much an argument might feel like a battle, if we make it our goal to win at all costs, we can end up doing more harm than good. St. Matilda, pray for us.
13: Thank you for tuning in to Awaken the Saint.
2: That is Awaken the Saint. For more information about the Saints and to get some wonderful resources for your length, download our free Hail Mary Media app from Matrade Radio. Details at matraderadio.com. It's 8 o'clock.
1: And in your news, not all children filling many vacant U.S. jobs are working. The drive through window pushing carts or helping on the family farm, jobs typically associated with teenagers learning responsibility, along with useful business and personal skills. According to recently published reports and investigations, the miners are toiling in some of the most dangerous conditions. In American industries such as construction, slaughterhouses, and assembly lines, Catholic and labor leaders voice concern that children are all too easily exploited in the U.S. economy where some lawmakers are looking to loosen further restrictions on child labor in response to companies clamoring for workers to fill vacancies. U.S. Department of Labor announced that a recent investigation found more than 100 miners were working for a contractor cleaning equipment in meatpacking facilities in eight different states. They discovered 102 children ages 13 to 17 working overnight shifts and at least three suffered injuries while cleaning back saws, brisket saws, and head splitters. Now, the company was fined $1.5 million in civil penalties. The Labor Department says it has 600 ongoing child labor investigations. Father Christopher Maher, an official with the Vatican's Dicastery for Promoting Integral Human Development, said it is essential for society to concentrate on the root causes of poverty and not attempt to solve the economic crisis by turning to child labor.
2: Demolition began yesterday on the historic Yamaguchi Hotel in Portland's Old Town. Owned and operated by the Yamaguchi family from 1921 to 1941, it's one of the only few buildings left in the area that was owned and operated by Japanese Americans. The building was purchased by the Blanchet House in 1958, and up until 2012, it was used to serve meals and for residential services. Blanchet House came to an agreement with the Japanese American Museum of Oregon to preserve some parts of the building. Once it's demolished, Blanchet House hopes plans to use it to relocate the Harrington Health Clinic to the site and add a shelter for women.
1: Well, EWTN Michael P. Warsaw, the CEO, said Saturday, Catholic journalists are called to do our part be truth-tellers, even in the face of a rising intolerance towards religious belief, traditional moral values, and the very idea that objective truth even exists. The head of the world's largest religious media network, which includes Catholic News Agency and the National Catholic Register, Warsaw delivered the keynote address at the conclusion of the journalism in a post- Truth World Conference held March 10th and 11th at the Museum of the Bible, co-sponsored by EWTN News and Franciscan University of Steubenville. As Catholics, he said, all of this presents us with great challenges. Now, a variety of journalists address these challenges and panel discussions held over the two-day conference. One of the panels included Carl Cannon from Real Clear Politics discussing media bias and the need for. For objecting objectivity in reporting.
2: Our share our theme is going to be Seek the Truth because we know where the truth comes from. It's a person, Jesus Christ. A combined sewer overflow advisory is in effect for the Willamette River after heavy rainfall from Monday's atmospheric river overwhelmed Portland's sewer system, causing a mix of sewage and rainwater to spill into the Willamette River downstream of Willamette Park. According to the Portland Bureau of Environmental Services' Big Pipe Tracker, Portland's sewer system reached maximum capacity at 1.15 yesterday afternoon and officially began spilling into the Willamette River by 1.30. People were advised to avoid the river due to the spill. During an overflow and for 48 hours afterward, the public is advised to avoid contact with the river because of increased bacteria in the water. The Bureau of Environmental Services said during past spills, the river's water quality is safe for recreation during all other times.
1: Well, a Clark County Superior Court jury acquitted Jacob Cantrell of attempted murder and assault charges Monday after finding he had acted in self-defense in a June 2022 shooting in East Vancouver. The jury returned at about 1 o'clock p.m. with a not guilty verdict for second-degree attempted murder and first-degree assault along with a lesser alternative charge of second-degree assault. Now, the case went to the jury at about 3 p.m. on Friday after four days trial testimony and jurors deliberated for about two hours Friday before breaking for the weekend. They returned Monday morning to resume deliberations because the jury found he acted in self-defense. Cantrell, 33 years old of Vancouver, will be reimbursed for his legal fees, lost wages for the nine months he's been in custody since the incident, according to his defense attorney.
2: And in sports, fans filled the Memorial Veterans Coliseum to honor the man known as the Shawns yesterday. Current and former Blazer players were among the many who attended the Portland Trail Blazers public memorial for legendary announcer Bill Shonley, who died on Saturday, January 21st. At 93, the broadcaster had been part of the Trailblazers community for more than 50 years and even coined the phrase Rip, Rip City. City yeah, that's right. Yeah, you can hear him saying it, can't <laughs> you? Uh, and uh, the Blazers are actually back home, returning home tonight to the Moda Center to host the New York Knicks. The Blazers are in 13th place in the Western Conference but play eight of their next nine games at home in the friendly confines of the Moda Center as they continue to climb back into play off contention. They begin this stretch, however, without Damian Lillard and Jeremy Grant. They're questionable for tonight's game with the Knicks. Lillard missed Sunday's loss at New Orleans.
1: Well, Fratelli Tuti is Pope Francis' third encyclical, and that translates all brothers. Now, the encyclical, which calls for more human fraternity and solidarity, includes a straightforward plea to reject war, was signed on October 3rd, 2020, as the Pope visited the tomb of his namesake, Francis of Assisi. It was published the following day on St. Francis' feast day. And now, within the framework of the 10th anniversary of Pope Francis' pontificate, the Factor Francisco project team is organizing a series of activities in Argentina, Pope Francis' homeland. Now, the tributes, which began on Friday, March 10th, included the presentation of a wine named after the Pope's encyclical, Fratelli Tutti. Now, the wine produced in a joint venture with a local co-op aims to inspire fraternity sharing and meeting others when sharing a meal. It says the name of the wine invites us to reach out and share with others like the encyclical itself, said Nestor Bory, one of the leaders of the Factor Francisco Project. Now, the wine is available on their online store and includes a QR code printed on the label of each bottle that can be scanned to find the Pope's writing and some other materials. I
2: understand, like, the fruit is very forward in the flavor, so they call it Tutti Fruity. <laughs> <Tootie> fruit.
1: <laughs> that is not at all the case on that one, Patrick.
0: It's time to find out what's going on in our Catholic community.
1: Well, tomorrow evening at 6 o'clock is a weekly Eucharistic Adoration, Confession and Praise and Worship. At St. Rose of Lima Parish, Daniel Overrider, our good friend, leads prayer through praise and worship music with adoration and confessions available. And remember, you can find more details on these and other events. Head over to the community calendar. You're going to find it under the Get Involved menu at Matardayradio.com. And of course, access it on the Hail Mary media app.
2: Well, Tuesday means homily highlights and deacon brother Charles Gonzalez has our homily highlight from St. Mary Parish in Mount Angel. Right ahead next after we check weather.
14: Join Mater De Radio and Brother Cyril, a Benedictine monk at Mount
9: Angel Abbey, for the morning offering. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. O oh Jesus, through the Immaculate Heart of Mary, I offer you my prayers, works, joys and sufferings of this day, in union with the Holy Sacrifice of the Mass throughout the world. I offer them for all the intentions of your Sacred Heart the salvation of souls, reparation for sin, and the reunion of all Christians. I offer them for the intentions of our bishops and of all apostles of prayer, and in particular, for those recommended by our Holy Father this month. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. For more prayer resources and to let us know how we can pray
14: for your intentions, please visit Matjadayradio.com.
2: This Lent, Mater Day Radio is teaming up with Ave Maria Press for the dynamic program, Return. Join Father John Burns on the Hail Mary Media app as he guides you through prayer and meditation into a fuller experience of Easter's joy.
0: And that's what I wanted to carry through the journal, is the desire of God, not just that we would turn away from sin, that we'd come back, but that the return would be wholehearted. But the why for all of our Lenten practices really has to be for love, especially in view of a turning from sin and coming into communion with Jesus, who was in love with us and is trying to draw us into that divine embrace.
2: Journey through Lent with the Hail Mary Media app. Download it now by searching Hail Mary Media in the App Store, Google Play, or go to motterdayradio.com for more details and prepare for the fullness of easter's joy with father john burns and the return program on the hail mary media app from matraday radio the bridge between your faith and everyday life 8 12 at day radio and after a record rainfall yesterday we are drying out today should be partly sunny with a high this afternoon up to 50 even though that's well below our 57-degree average for this time of year. Rain back tomorrow, 40% chance of showers with a high tomorrow of 49.
1: Well, currently it is 36 degrees at St. Thomas Catholic Church in Camas, Washington.
2: And 35 at St. Cyril Parish in Wilsonville. Need a recap of Sunday's readings?
0: It's time for Holly Highlights on Mater Day Radio.
1: And today's homily highlight is from Deacon brother, Charles Gonzalez, happening at St. Mary's Catholic Church in beautiful Mount Angel, Oregon.
15: Recently, I heard a Christian comedian joking about the names of different characters in the Bible. He mentioned the normal names, you know, like Saul to Paul or Simon to Peter. But then he talked about the other characters who never got a name the man born with leprosy, the man born blind. That's how all of history would remember them. I wondered what that would be here, you know, the the woman at Target or the man at Tiny's, I don't know. Well, today we have the story we just heard of one of those characters without a name, but with a profound story the name from the place where Jesus encountered her, the woman at the well. Beautiful story with much detail, much to unpack. And believe me, the story is literally and spiritually deep. But I wonder if you noticed something, something was missing from the story today. Did you catch it? It's a small detail, but it's there or not there because it's missing. Yet before I tell you what it is, we need to learn why it went missing in the first place. This morning's theme is all about mercy. It is all about the undeserved, unmerited love and kindness of God the kindness that he shows to us, his creatures. What an appropriate time for the church to bring up this story about mercy. Third Sunday of Lent, how is it all going for you? I hope it is going well. Here's a question. Have you encountered God's mercy this Lent? If not, Can you think of a time where you have? I remember one time, there was a holy monk. Many of you probably knew him, Father Augustine de Noble. May he rest in God's mercy. He was known for the many hours that he spent at the confessional. And throughout seminary and even in the monastery, I would go to him for confession. (laughs) such a gentle and yet firm confessor. You knew, or I knew, that I was absolved from those sins. In his low voice, strong voice, he would say, and I absolve you from your sins. Yet I remember one time, about uh, only a couple of months before he died, I went to confession with him. And as he was listening to my confession, he reached around the screen. I was kneeling down and just gently grasped my arm. And I could picture him, you know, closing his eyes behind the screen while listening to my confession. This was a powerful moment and in that moment, I felt tangibly loved and forgiven. Yet there's more to the story. Father Augustine would go on to pass from this earth, and we learned at the vigil eulogy from Father Israel, who was giving it. A story when one night Father Israel went to check up on Father Augustine in his infirmary room to which he couldn't find him there. So he went to look for him and he found him in the confessional in the back of the Abbey Church. But he found him there, Father Augustine, weeping. And Father Israel said, Father, are you okay? And to this he replied, He's so beautiful. He's so beautiful. Of course, referring to none other than Jesus Christ. Was he seeing him? Was he remembering him? I don't know. But I I know that he was encountering the Lord that night in the confessional. And so after the vigil, the monks went their separate ways. And I just had this draw, this desire to go into that confessional. And I I went and I sat down in the chair and I took the, the purple stole, right, that's there, and I just held it in my hands and I too started to weep. It hit me profoundly when Father Augustine reached around, it was not only only him who reached out to me, it was also Christ who our faith says is totally there in the confessional. I started to just be hit with the reality that out of all places, the place where I was the most weakest, the place that we are the most vulnerable, the ugliest, confessing our sins, we don't like to see them. That was the place in the confessional where the savior of the universe, the maker of the stars, wanted to be. I'm sharing this with you this morning because like I said earlier, I want to talk about mercy. And I wanna say that mercy is not just a lofty idea, a lofty theological concept. Mercy is a person and his name is Jesus Christ. The same Jesus that encountered the woman at the well. Despite her own shame, despite her past and current sins, she had the five husbands, she could be called the adulterous woman. Despite that, Jesus seeks to encounter her there and to love her and to free her from her shame. Did you notice in the gospel that Jesus was at the well before the woman arrived? It's always Jesus who seeks us out first. It's always Jesus who seeks us out first and is already there. And Jesus gives her a new heart. Jesus purifies her heart. And what do we use to purify things? She's the woman at the well. We use water to cleanse things, right? And I'm thinking of the passage that you know from Ezekiel. I will sprinkle clean water over you to make you clean from all your impurities and from all your idols I will cleanse you. I will give you a new heart and a new spirit I will put within you. This is what happens to the woman and this is what Jesus offers you and I. Where? In confession. Where? in giving us his very heart in the Eucharist. So I ask you again, have you encountered the Lord's mercy yet this Lent? If not, I invite you, go to confession. Go to the place where Jesus is waiting for you. And he's waiting to fill your heart with clean water and to purify you. What was missing? Did you notice that the woman after her encounter with the Lord left her jar? As she left to tell the other Samaritans about the water that Jesus offers. Yes, the jar is left behind, but her heart our hearts are filled. Jesus, give us this water so that we may not need to keep going back to the wells, those wells that we all have that do not totally satisfy us, that in the end leave us thirsty and thirsty Jesus, mercy, I trust in you. Jesus, I trust in you. Jesus, I trust in you.
1: Well, a wonderful homily highlight from Deacon brother Charles Gonzalez. He's up there at Mount Angel Abbey, serving that Sunday at St. Mary's Church down in beautiful Mount Angel. If you want to listen to that, well, that it, that homily becomes a podcast after the show, and you'll be able to find that on our webpage, maturadayradio.com. In fact, all of our wonderfully produced local shows are made into homilies, and you can find them all there as well. Great thing is you also can access our podcast on the Hail Mary media app. Plug it in on your way home today, and boy, you're sure to have a great afternoon. More information, again, on the Hail Mary Media app can be found at materdayradio.com.
4: Support for Montreday Radio comes from our Leadership Circle members, including Dr. Mark Bianco Family Dentist. Dr. Bianco practices family dentistry in the neighborhood of 122nd Avenue and Stark Street in Southeast Portland. Dr. Bianco Family Dentist, online at biancodentistry.com or 503-252-252 one seven two two that's five oh three two five two one seven two two support from Day radio comes from our leadership circle
10: members including true north retirement advisors a clear path to financial freedom With decades of experience, True North Retirement Advisors helps business owners exit their business and retire with financial security. Information on how to get started with the business exit strategy plan and scheduling a no-cost consultation is available online at truenorthretirementadvisors.com. This is Archbishop Alexander Sample of the Archdiocese
9: of Portland in Oregon inviting you to join me for the Voice of the Shepherd. I always look forward to our time together to discuss issues that matter most to our families and to
10: the church.
1: Catch the Voice of the Shepherd with Portland Archbishop Alexander Sample and me, Dina Marie, your host, each Tuesday night at 730, Saturday afternoon at 330, and Sunday morning at 730 on Mater Dei Radio, leading souls to Jesus through the Blessed Virgin Mary.
0: Lattes and cappuccinos may be tasty. But it's the morning blend with David and Brenda that will get your day started right
2: on Mater Day Radio. 827 at Mater Day Radio, and just ahead, there's new leadership in Eugene on the duck pound.
1: And Pope Francis releases his Popecast on the 10th anniversary as Pontiff. It was years, he said. Lived in tension. I'll have that story for you, plus more coming up in news. Here is Tori Harris and Face to Face. We are the morning blend right here at Mater Day Radio, the bridge between your faith and everyday life.
2: Your Faith in Everyday Life, Day Radio, Tori Harris, and Face to Face. It's 830.
1: And in your news, Pope Francis marked his 10th anniversary as Pope on Monday with a private mass with cardinals and appearance on what Vatican News has dubbed the Popecast. Now, the nine-minute podcast released only in Italian was published on the Vatican News website and on Spotify. It seems... Like yesterday, Francis said, referring to his election to the papacy on March 13th, 2013. These past 10 years were lived in this tension, he added. The Pope Francis schedule was free of public meetings on March 13th, except for a 9 a.m. mass inside the chapel at his Vatican residence. And the private mass at the Santa Marta guest house was concelebrated with his cardinals. The Vatican did not release any other details, including information about the Pope's homily. Now, in the Pope cast, Pope Francis said the most beautiful moment of his pontificate was the meeting with elderly in St. Peter's Square in 2014.
2: The University of Oregon has announced that John Carl Schultz will take over as the university's president on July 1st. Schultz, an economist, professor, and current provost at the University of Wisconsin-Madison will be the university's 19th president. He'll take the position from Patrick Phillips, who served as interim director since last August. Phillips was appointed to the position just days after former U of O president Michael Scheel revealed he was leaving the Ducks and headed to Northwestern University in Illinois
1: not all children filling many vacant U.S. jobs are working the drive through window, pushing carts or helping on the family farm, jobs typically associated with teenagers' learning responsibility and skills. According to a recently published report and investigation, minors are toiling in some of the most dangerous conditions in American industry, such as construction, slaughterhouses, and assembly lines. Catholics and labor leaders voice concern that children are all too easily exploited in the U.S. economy, where some lawmakers are looking to loosen further restrictions on child labor in response to companies clamoring for workers to fill vacancies. U.S. Department of Labor announced that a recent investigation found more than 100 children were working for a contractor cleaning equipment in meatpacking facilities in eight different states discovered 102 children. who were ages 13 to 17. They worked overnight shifts and at least three suffered injuries while cleaning back saws, brisket saws, and head splitters. The company was fined $1.5 million in civil penalties. The Labor Department says, what well, it has 600 ongoing investigations. Father Christopher Maher, an official in the Vatican's dicastery for promoting integral human development said, It is essential for society to concentrate on the root causes of poverty and not attempt to solve the economic crisis by turning to child labor.
2: Houses of worship continue to be vandalized across the country. Police are searching for a man who burglarized Our Lady of Lourdes Catholic Church in Gales Ferry, Connecticut, early Saturday. The Ledyard Police Department reported the man broke into the church, smashing windows and attempting to break into rooms using a crowbar. The police reported the man further vandalized the church by painting hateful messages on the floor of the church meeting hall and on a wall that disp- displayed a large crucifix. The police described the suspect as a male in his mid to late 20s with dark thinning hair, a distinctive beard with no mustache. The police said the man appeared to be wearing jeans, dark work boots and a dark-colored winter jacket and was carrying a light-colored military-style backpack. The department notified the FBI Civil Rights Unit, the Connecticut State Police Hate Crimes Unit and the new London Judicial District Attorney's Office, all of which are assisting the police with the investigation.
1: And EWTN CEO Michael Warsaw said Saturday that Catholic journalists are called to do our part to be truth tellers. Even in the face of rising intolerance towards religious belief, traditional moral values, and the very idea that objective truth even exists. The head of the world's largest religious media network, which includes Catholic News Agency and the National Catholic Register, Warsaw delivered the keynote address at the conclusion of the Journalism in a Post-Truth World Conference held March 10th and 11th at the Museum of the Bible. It was co-sponsored by EWTN News and Franciscan, Franciscan University of Steubenville. He said, as Catholics, all of this presents us with great challenges. Now, a variety of journalists address these challenges and panel discussions held over the two day conference. One of the panels included Carl Cannon from Real Clear Politics who discussed media bias and the need for objectivity in reporting.
2: Well, in sports a legend has passed. Oregon State University and Olympic gold medalist Dick Fosbury, most famous for creating the Fosbury Flop, died on Sunday. He was 76 years old. Ray Schulte, Fosbury's agent, reported that Fosbury, who was born March 6, 1947 in Portland, died after a short bout with a recurrence of lymphoma. Fosbury gained fame after winning gold in the 1968 Summer Olympics at Mexico City using his back first technique which came to be known as the Fossberry Flop, a method adopted and still used today by many high jumpers. You can just visualize him going over, you know, back, oh, back first and then the feet and he clearing was, that bar.
1: He was just amazing. I just remember growing up that that was like the thing. It was so ingenious and inventive. And he, of course, won on that. And, uh, So all of us tried to do that when we were in grade school.
2: And I remember in the last Olympic Games, they're still doing it. They're still using the Fosbury Flop to this day, going back all the way to that that, uh, historic Olympics in 1968 in Mexico City.
1: Well, the four pillars of Lent are prayer, abstinence, fasting, and almsgiving. So why is giving alms a part of those pillars? Well, Jessica McGaffey from Epic Pew says the wildly popular Father Mike Schmitz. Well, he doesn't have one reason why we do that. In fact, in a recent video, though, it's got four reasons. So what are Father Mike's reasons? He says well, not happiness, even though he starts out talking about the phenomenon of how we spend it on ourselves. We just continue to want more while spending on others oddly gives happiness well, to the spender. Now, so if not for happiness, what are the reasons we should be the best, most thoughtful givers we possibly can be? Well, here's what Father Mike says. First of all, out of obedience, because Jesus asks us to do that. Secondly, it's human dignity, because other people matter. Gratitude and not guilt is the third reason why we give. And then lastly, it's Jesus' example, because we are all called to be like Jesus. So enjoy giving, not just out of our surplus, but in the big ways we have to give and serve. Patrick, we were talking about that earlier, about how giving, and and this is, I don't think it's just about almsgiving, but in any ministry where we choose to serve and give our time, what we get back in return for what we've been giving Oh, it's just multiplied.
2: It's amazing how, how God has built that into to the joy we get from that giving. I mean, have you ever given and not felt good about it? Yeah, you know, I never exactly. have. You no. always feel good. Now, maybe you're a little nervous before you do it. But once you do it, it's just that that reward is tremendous. And, you know, Brenda, I've been kind of reading the collects uh, that start mm-hmm. the mass here in the Lenten season. And so many of them talk about giving and almsgiving and first fruits and what have you. And, you know, that it is definitely a central theme of this season
1: and you know with our lenten season two we always give up something something that we love i'm still drinking my black coffee because i gave up my cream <laughs> and sugar in it but in place of that we can do we can do something so the the fancy coffees that i would normally maybe spend you know a coffee at, at one of our coffee shops here can be pretty expensive when you start adding all those things to it well that just frees up money to give where there is need And boy, I think everybody wins that way.
2: And that's, you know, kind of the the rice bowls that the kids have. That's definitely a central part of that. For sure. It's
0: time to find out what's going on in our Catholic community.
1: Well, another one of those beautiful practices that we have during Lent is to pray the Stations of the Cross. And this Friday at 1030 a.m. is a holy hour and the Via Mattress at the Grotto. That is, of course, the sanctuary of our Sorrowful Mother right here in Portland. All are invited for this time of prayer in the main chapel before the noon mass on Lenten Fridays. Confessions are also available from 10 o'clock to 1145 at the priest's office in the Visitor's Center. And remember, you can find details on these and other events. Just head over to the community calendar. You're going to find it on the Get Involved menu at materdayradio.com and access to it on the Hail Mary media app.
2: I'm excited. Speaking of the grotto, Chris Blanchard is going to be joining us on Thursday. But before then, it's Tech Tuesday. And Miss Sarah checks in with us next.
13: Kyle Hyman from Spokestream Media and in 1st Kings chapter 19 verses 11 through 13 we hear this story about Elijah wanting to hear the voice of God and surprisingly to him it's not in the wind or the earthquake or the fire it's in a still small voice and as much as I wish that God would speak to me through a booming voice that's maybe you know sounds like Morgan Freeman or that he would send me a text message something very clear that I couldn't mess up God often speaks to us in the quiet through our hearts through our desires through a sense of peace sometimes through others through scripture so one thing we really want to challenge all of us to do this Lent is to make time for God in the quiet to listen to give God space and not fill it with noise, our own personal prayer requests, but just quiet. So I invite you to spend just a second right now to reflect on how God might be speaking to you.
0: I encourage you to schedule a specific time in your day for silence, whatever you need to do, wherever you need to go, to give space to listen for the Lord.
1: 844 right here at Mater Day Radio. Well it looks like the sun coming through just a little bit on this Tuesday morning. Weather system has passed over the evening and today much calmer morning. Now We did get over an inch of rain in the last 24 hours and this cool start though is going to make way for a mild, much drier afternoon. Highs today getting us right around to that 50 degree mark and then overnight we cool off to the mid 30s. Now, Wednesday, it's going to look a whole lot like today, but let's add in just a few more sun breaks.
2: And right now, it's 36 at St. Pius X Parish and School in Beaverton.
1: And it is 37 degrees at St. Vincent de Paul Center in Vancouver. Well, it is a beautiful Tuesday morning of Lent, and uh, joining us today, as she does no, every Tuesday, it is Sarah Kenzie. She is joining us to tell us about what will be coming into inboxes this afternoon. Sarah, good morning. How are things this morning? A little less rain probably makes for a much easier commute.
16: Yes, it was a very nice sunny drive today. Well,
1: very good. Well, we are glad to have you in on this Tech Tuesday. So we know that for our listeners who are signed up to receive our emails this afternoon, they're going to get another great email from Mater Day Radio. You're joining us today to tell us a little bit about what people are going to find in this week's email. Of course, every week, one of the things that you add is one of our wonderful interviews from The Morning Blend I'm really happy to share this one because I think after I did this interview, I shared with everyone how excited I was to talk with author Mike Heinlein in the life of
16: Cardinal Francis George. It's on the email today. That's right. So uh, Michael Heinlein uh, just released a book, uh, which is called Glorifying Christ, the Life of Cardinal Francis George. Um, And so, yeah, it was just an incredible conversation that you had with him um, about his time as a bishop, uh, first in Yakima, and then his um, short but impactful time here in the Archdiocese of Portland. Um, I actually did not know that he had been uh, the bishop here, which was which was awesome to know. Um, and then, and then of course about the rest of um, his life, um, being back in Chicago, um, being a cardinal, and being so involved with um, the United States Conference of Catholic Bishops and his impact uh, there so um, yeah it's just it's just a wonderful um, interview i love hearing all the different stories um, and i just encourage everyone to listen
1: I had the fortune that I was driving uh, in my vehicle, and I heard the same author on another Catholic show talking oh, about wow. talking about uh, Cardinal Francis George. And But what I really appreciated about Michael's time is he talked specifically about that, I think he said it was 11 months that yes. Cardinal George spent in the Portland area as our archbishop. And in the book, he talks about uh, his encounter with Father uh, Mikaitis, and what happened with the uh, the seal, the book that he wrote about the seal and the intrusion in the Catholic Confessional when he was doing parish ministry or prison ministries, and it was so powerful, and 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 he talks about that in the book because we know that here in the Archdiocese of Portland that well Cardinal George uh, was left an Prussian and left an imprint on us. And so it was really wonderful to have that opportunity to talk with him. And I was real excited to see that uh, this interview is part of the email today. Well, Sarah Kenzie is our digital media manager right here at Mater Day Radio joining us today to get us straightened out on another Tech Tuesday and helping us out. The podcasts are wonderful on the Hail Mary media app. In fact, Patrick and I were talking today about how I have been praying the rosary on that Hail Mary Media app. But it's also so easy to get to all of our podcasts. Now, one of the ways to prepare for Sunday Mass is to read and listen to the readings that you're going to hear. So that way, when you get to Mass on Sunday, it's not new. And then you just get to hear it again. That's what we try to do here at Mater Day Radio, one of our longest-running shows,
16: Sunday Commentary. Tell our listeners. That's right. So we'll have um, the episode for this upcoming sunday uh, released a little bit early uh, in today's email so that you can just have some time to prepare for the sunday readings as you said um, Kevin and Carla do an incredible job I like they're they're very much to the point you know um, if you're a busy person and you got a lot going on I mean I I do love shows you know where there's a lot of back and forth and chit chat they're fun too but I just love that Kevin and Carla get right down to the readings Um, they don't waste any time Uh, they get started right away and then they spend some time reflecting on it at the end going through some of the historical context which I always find really helpful Um, but like if if you're busy and you have you know 20 minute car ride or something like that it's the perfect length to just listen to an episode of sunday commentary um and get ready for for the sunday mass
2: i gotta tell you what i do sarah is i put it on as i leave to go to mass on sunday mornings
16: perfect you
2: get the readings ahead of time a little commentary and it it takes like you said it's perfect link for the drive it takes me about 15 minutes to get to the parish from nice. my house and that's how long the podcast lasts and it's perfect just to put that on get ready for the mass and then go in maybe review the readings one more time you're ready to go
1: yeah
16: that's awesome
1: it's also great to have another perspective too in that commentary when they talk about the readings of that day and then you go huh okay that that I, I hear that and then of course we get the homilies from our priest when we have our Sunday mass after we've heard it again and then you go oh And there's another take on that. So it's a really wonderful aid in our spiritual journey. Again, that is Sunday commentary comes on the mornings on Saturday and a Sunday. And then lastly in the email, well, our community calendar always full of wonderful events. I think Mm Debra, she must get, you know, she goes to all of the parishes and looks (laughs) up their bulletins to see what's going on. And, you know, she worked hard to get that calendar filled up. Mm -hmm. But, you know, if you want to make sure that your event is on the calendar, Well, definitely let us know, and you can go to the community calendar and figure out how to do that. There are some great events that are happening today, tomorrow, and this weekend. We've got a couple of big celebrations coming up, and one of those is for uh, St. Joseph and an event at Holy
16: Redeemer. Tell our listeners. That's right. So this week, uh, we wanted to highlight an event happening um, at um, Holy Redeemer in Portland, um, and it's a celebration of St. Joseph's Feast Day. This will be happening on Monday, March 20th. Um, they'll be having uh, a Taze music and prayer service in the church, uh, followed by a soup supper in, um, the cafeteria. Now this is a potluck style soup supper. I thought this was really interesting. It's inspired by the Sicilian St. Joseph's table tradition, which I am not familiar with. I'm learning a lot today. Um, uh, this, so this was, I guess, an occasion for gathering in community and also giving alms to the poor, um, as part of this, this dinner. So, um, or this table tradition. So, uh, what a great way to celebrate St. Joseph's feast day. Um, they, they also really made a point to, uh, ask attendees to invite people that might be struggling, whether it's economically or they're just feeling, you know, maybe lonely. They really want community. Like it's a really good opportunity to care for your neighbor, which, you know, we're, we're in that season of Lent. It's really important for us to, to keep that in mind. I think, you know, it, at least for me it's so easy sometimes to get wrapped up in my own, you know, practices like what am I going to do for my spiritual life and all this different stuff, but we're we're also called to, you know, to give to one another. So this is a great opportunity to kind of do both at the same time on the feast of St uh, or for the Saint, feast of St Joseph.
2: So what's your favorite lenten soup, Sarah?
16: Oh, uh I love clam chowder. Mm. Actually it's too. from moes from the beach, but I'd <laughs> <laughs> be a little fancy for lent, but I'm a lentil guy. I
2: love lentils. Lentils? Yeah. yeah. Oh,
1: okay. I love just about any soup, so long as it's really, really hot. I (laughs) love it. Well, Sarah, thank you again for joining us on another great Tuesday, and we look forward to getting that email this afternoon.
16: Thank you both.
1: And again, that is Sarah Kenzie. Now, if you are not receiving emails from Mater Day Radio, well, please let us know. Go to our webpage. There you'll find information about how to submit your email, so that way, well, you're in the know every Tech Tuesday. Again, find out information at MatardayRadio.com. And it is 8.53 here at with uh, Radio. Stay with us. we got a final forecast for you.
4: Support for Matarday Radio comes from our Leadership Circle members, including Dr. Mark Bianco, family dentist.
14: Archbishop Alexander Sample as he prays
9: the Hail Holy Queen. Hail Holy Queen, Mother of Mercy, our life, our sweetness, and our hope. To thee do we cry, poor banished children of Eve. To thee do we send up our sighs, mourning and weeping in this valley of tears. Turn then, O most gracious advocate, thine eyes of mercy towards us, and after this our exile. Show unto us the blessed fruit of thy womb, Jesus. O clement, O loving, O sweet Virgin Mary. Pray for us, O Holy Mother of God, that we may be made worthy of the promises of Christ. And may the blessing of Almighty God, the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit come upon all of you, your families, your loved ones, and be with you this day and forever. Amen.
14: For more prayer resources and to let us know how we can pray for your intentions, please visit matradeiradio.com.
1: Are you searching for stories of how God is transforming lives in profound and creative ways? Do you want to be inspired to join the mission of evangelization? I'm Miriam Marston, host of Blazing the Trail, and each week through interviews, scripture, and song, we explore what it looks like to share the gospel with courage and hope. Please join me on Wednesdays and Sundays at 7.30 p.m. right here on Matodei Radio or anytime on MatodeiRadio.com
6: or the Hail Mary Media app.
0: The Morning Blend, brewed in the Pacific Northwest, guaranteed fresh every day on Mater Day
2: Radio, the station dedicated to the Blessed Virgin Mary. Well, after setting rainfall records in Portland and Salem yesterday, we are drying out today. Partly sunny with a high this afternoon headed up toward 50 degrees. And right now in the Rose City, 36, a chilly start to the day.
1: And closing out our show today, here is Dupree. Can you feel it? We are the Morning Blend right here at Mater Day Radio, leading souls to Jesus through the Blessed Virgin Mary.
17: Coming to another season. You know there's got to be a reason for everything. Everything. Looking so me up ahead, yeah. Coming at you and you can't help cross-running Everything Running right through your bones It's taking complete control You are knowing now, change gonna come You are knowing now, change gonna come It's chasing you everywhere Can't be thinking of nothing else You are knowing now, change gonna come You are knowing now, change gonna come Change gonna come From heaven above, from heaven above Change gonna come can you feel it? Feel it? Change gonna come from heaven above. From heaven above. Change gonna come. Just believe it. Change gonna come from heaven above. From heaven above. Change going
2: That's mother and son duo dupree and change gonna come at Matre Radio, the bridge between your faith and everyday life. Boy, they got a good sound.
1: Isn't that amazing? I, mean, I, love, I love thank love you them. for saying that. That is that's a son <laughs> and mother duo. Yeah. Fantastic. Looking forward. They got a new song out. We'll see if we can get it ready for the morning blend Ooh. this week. That is going to wrap it up for us today. Voice of the Shepherd coming on this evening. Be sure to catch that podcast also this afternoon on the Hail Mary media app. Have a very blessed day.